This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from. With new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Hi. Hi. Hey. Happy 100. It's our 100th episode. I don't know what we're supposed to do with that information. How do you feel about it? I'm going to be honest with you. My initial response was, we only just hit 100. We've been doing this for years. I love when you turn into a New York, old New York woman. Right? Maybe we should do, actually, I was going to say, we should do the whole episode in we like should an not, accent. Nobody would listen to the 100th episode then. Right. Okay. Well, it's a celebration. It's a celebration. So a lot of shit has changed in the two years, two and a half years since we started this podcast. Our sound got better. Our sound got much better. Please stop leaving reviews that the sound is bad. We fixed it. But when you start from the beginning and then you leave reviews on things we've already fixed, it doesn't help us. I curse a little bit less. You do curse a little bit That's less. been intentional. I yes. have gotten much more comfortable. Yes, we have, right? There's been a global pandemic. <laughs> that was a big one. <laughs> My child is now three. Your child is three. Yes, I've had three miscarriages. <laughs> three miscarriages. You bought a house? The I bought a happened. house. So much has happened. So much has Our happened. Our business has expanded into Huge. multiple states. Yep. So if you're interested in therapy, reach on out. We can let you know if we see clients in your state. Yes, but... As always, for our 100th episode, we went with a fan favorite, which is always a Q&A episode. And let us say, if you have stuck with us for 100 episodes, thank you. DM us. We'll send you a handwritten card. Yes. Yes. And, okay. and, and a have, shrink chick's uh, stress brain. Yes. If you have seriously stuck with us for 100 episodes, you're listening to this, DM us your address. We're going to send you a handwritten card and a present. Okay. Let's do it, though. 
Good I'm ready. to be here with you, babe. Hey, happy hey, 100. Hey, happy 100. We've done this together. We made it. Somebody recently asked us if we are partners in just business or also lovers. <laughs> we said lovers, obviously. <laughs> we were Somebody said cracking us, up. Is, is Dr. Jamie Zucker, who has been on our show before. Um, Zuckerman. Zuckerman, sorry. Dr. Z. And she's been on the show, an amazing um, a narcissist uh, expert. And she sent us this, this text from her friend that was like, hey, just so I know like the proper way to address Jen and Emily... I just like want to confirm: are they are they partners in business or in life? We, we said, said both. It. We said both. We said both. Mm-hmm. Right? It's really nice. I think that's great. I want all platonic relationships to be confused for romantic. Me ones. too. Because I think it because it means so much. It means so much, and this is a huge thing that I hate: is how much more we put romantic relationships on a pedestal more than platonic ones. Where platonic relationships, sorry, Aaron, have changed my life fucking tenfold. Our relationship has changed my life. One thousand yeah. percent. Yes. I have. I, I mean, we talk about this all the time. We're basically married. Yeah, we spend a lot of time together. And our business is our baby. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I also think people yes. like think that's so bad that like that should only be reserved for your romantic partner. But like, I don't feel that. I want all of my everything to be with everyone. That is so beautiful. Uh, at Jen's wedding, <laughs> totally tank. She comes up to me, drunk, drunk, and she goes. I just need you to know that you are the most important female relationship in my life. It's true. It's, and it's like so beautiful. Because we have a baby together. Because we have a baby together. And thank you for being here and listening to our baby thank for a little you. bit today. So let's do a Q&A. Let's Q&A. Go. All right. This first one, I think Is that you can <laughs> spearhead this one. Okay, you read it. How to mentally prepare for kids before having kids. I think the thing is, before you have kids, you get a lot of advice, but it is very sort of broken apart. So it'd be like, make sure you breastfeed or make sure you go right to formula, right? Like everyone gives you these like one little off comment and then you're like stitching together this quilt of mismatched bullshit information. <laughs> um, and so here's what I would say. I think it is helpful to read some stuff and I think it's helpful to not read too much stuff. I think it's helpful to ask people and I think it's helpful to not ask people too much. But really, what I think the most important thing is, is to try to appreciate what you have because it will be vastly different. And the best thing you can do to prepare is, of course, buy all the stuff and buy the diapers and get the house ready and prep your dog. But prep also, your dog. Yeah, that's like an important part of having a kid. What do you say? <laughs> what I say to him? I set him down one day and I said, Murphy. <laughs> you're about to have a sip. No, you're supposed to like train, you know what I mean? Like get used, actually like one of the things that they recommend is like start to touch your dog in all different places all over more because your toddler will do that. Wow. And so getting them used to like somebody being a little bit more grabby with them, making sure they have a place in the house they can escape to if they need to. Wow. Um, like, yeah, like we made sure that my, my mom came to the hospital, took one of Millie's blankets home. So Murphy had him smell it, and then you, like, introduce that. Murphy had no issues with getting. Murphy's the best. He, but he is also, like, he, yeah, he that was just big-headed galoo. He's so big. <laughs> that, that big-headed mensch. Yeah. Mensch. Isn't <laughs> he? Says a mensch, though? Yeah. Oh, I have a story. Sorry. I'm sorry. To... No, no, no. Please go. So when I was younger, my brother, knowing that I would not know what this meant, <laughs> called me a mensch. I cried hysterically. But it's such a nice word. I, I didn't love know. That I term. thought I thought that he and he knew that I would think that it was an insult. So he was a very smart child. 
but it's and I cried and so but it's like I ran to my parents I was like Steve called me a mensch I was so upset like really it was very nice someone called me a mensch today I'd be like thank you (laughs) that's all I want oh my god so so what I would say is like also like prepare yourself individually which is like what are the parts of my life I'm gonna miss what do I want to sort of make sure I take time for now take that last vacation take those nights out you know I also think it's like good to help prep financially to have a little extra so you're gonna place to have a sitter to go out have some time with your spouse I would also prep um, boundaries with family members about who you would like there what the involvement is like those are all important conversations to have do you think uh, my mind's going in a bunch of different directions I'll tell you where but um that I, I wonder in terms of mentally prepping I wonder if someone is feeling like okay if I prep enough once I have the kid, I will be, I'll be good. Like I will have no negative emotions. I'll be good to go. So my question for you is, do you think you can ever fully prep mentally to get yourself to a place where you don't struggle with anything? No, of course that doesn't exist. That was such a rhetorical question. I know. No, you can't, right? I love a rhetorical question. (laughs) Just like right as a, like. I'm just like waiting for it. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, I think that is part of it is that, like, it doesn't matter. It's going to throw you on your ass either way because it's just something that's not describable. So even when you read the books, even when you do the prep classes, you know, I think also a lot of times people are prepping for birth because it seems, like, so scary, which I did, too. Like, I hired a doula. I was very into getting ready for the birth process. The birth was nothing for what came after. (laughs) (laughs) That's what a lot of people say. Yeah. I mean, and like some people have also a very, there's also stuff you can't prepare for. You end up having a very traumatic birth and then you're unable to like walk for a little bit or you're unable to um, like, you know, go to the bathroom without someone helping you get there. Like, there's different things that can happen in the birth process that would change up everything for you. Your child being born with a disability that like, you know, maybe throws you for a curve, right? Like when my daughter came out with 12 fingers and 11 toes, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't mentally prepared for that moment. <laughs> That's a perfect example. There was nothing that could have prepared you for that. No, they prepped us. There was going to be one extra finger. So I prepped myself for one extra finger. And she got a little so more then than she what came she out, as a, And they counted her fingers. As a joke, my husband says, and how many toes does she have? And they were like, oh my God, 11. And did, they, did you think that they were joking? I, I don't know. I was like, fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember that part. So, like, that's the thing is, like, you can prep as much, but, like, you can't. We have this idea that we can prevent what we can predict, but it's not real. Our anxiety wants to tell us that. The thing is, we can't. And this is when that episode on radical acceptance. Oh, next week's episode is on radical acceptance. And this is when that is a very good thing to talk about. Ah, I love that. All right. Beautifully said. How to communicate a need for attention from loved ones when you were the easy one. Oof. Quote, unquote. That's a good one for you. Okay, it's such a good one. Why? Because I'm the easy one? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) That would be why I said that. Yes, ma'am. So I first want you to think about what does it mean to me to be the easy one? Where did that role develop for me? What about it was functional for me? Why did I feel like I had to be the easy one? And why do I feel like I have to be the easy one in my relationships now? Is there a fear of, if I'm not the easy one, what will happen in my relationships? Will I be rejected? Will people get mad at me? Will uh, will I have no friends left? Whatever that means, right? So I want you to look at what the fear is 
of being the not being the easy one I keep using air quotes and I realize if you're not watching YouTube you can't see me um but to ask yourself those questions dig a little bit deeper into it the fear of changing that role for yourself because all in all you are a social human being that needs love and connection and just because you are asking for that first of all, does not make you not the easy one. It makes you human. And so I want you to start to challenge some of those preconceived notions that you might have that being the easy one or the chill one or the laid back one means that you have no needs um, or that you have no need for connection or love or acceptance because you are just human. And so to be able to first question those assumptions that in order to be um, loved, you have to be easy or you have to not have those needs. So once you start to question that, you start to talk yourself through that, that's when you can say to others, hey, I really could use some time to get, you know, I really could use some time with you. I'm going through a tough situation. Um, really speak up about what's important to you um, or the type of connection that you need because there's something really important that I want you to remember. Just because you have needs does not mean you are needy. It means you are human. And mm-hmm. I am going to stop that right there. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Tips on enjoying the current moment slash life stage without comparing or feeling overwhelmed. I think there's going to be both in life. Right. I think there can be present moment awareness and also there can be fleeting moments of comparison. Right. So the tips that I would have is to do some of that like inner monologue and inner self-talk to calm yourself down. When you notice you're going into a moment of really comparison or thinking about all the stuff you don't have compared to other people, talk to yourself and say, hey, let's cut that out. Here I am with my feet on the ground with my hands on my legs, right? Like like doing some, like really getting yourself placed. Get grounded. Grounded right there. And like, that's when we go back to, like, I know we have talked about this before, but this is when we go into that ants and cats, right? The automatic negative thought that just crawls into your brain. You're not trying to think it. We do, it is incredibly helpful to come with a counteracting thought to say to yourself, this shit's not helpful to think about. I'm making myself feel bad. And that's also when it's really good to get the fuck off social media. If you're finding you're doing a lot of that, how much time are you also like looking at other people's life and assuming that you're seeing like their highlight reel and that's everything. So that's a good say to say, you know what? I'm doing a lot of comparison. I'm going to take a little bit of a social media break this week. I am going to do stuff that makes me feel really good. I'm going to sit down and write my gratitude stuff. So it's not ever going to be that you don't feel these things most likely, but I think you can feel them way less by being intentional and active about that process. To think about, too, that when you are comparing yourself to others, you're typically comparing yourself to the ones that you see as doing better or the most social or – because, first of all, that's what you're seeing on social media. And that's to, that's typically what we do as human beings is mm-hmm. that we will compare ourselves to the people or things that we strive for or that we want or um, – and so we have a skewed view of what – we're comparing ourselves to and so just as Emily said to bring yourself back down to where you are right now and to think about also I think to think about what are the things that you're grateful for that you do have um, saying things like oh I get to have this I get to do this as opposed to I have to do this um, is a good way to reframe those thoughts Mm -hmm. too
really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I have felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is of course the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty free and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I use this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that Pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash chicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash chicks. That's P-R-O-S-E.com slash chicks. I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. How do I deal with my husband not standing up for me when his family treats me poorly? So, this is when you have to get to an uncomfortable situation, which is one. You have a few different options here. One is sitting down with your husband and saying, listen, like, I'm starting to hit a limit of what I can take here. I need you to do this. Your next option is also you're going to have to start standing up, standing up for yourself the way you wish he did. So that you can be empowered enough, direct enough to say to them, please do not say that about me. Or please look at your tone of how you're talking to me. Or when you say that that really hurts my feelings and makes me shut down. You are looking for someone else to stand up for you. Do I think your husband should stand up for you? 100 fucking percent. Absolutely. Do I know if it's going to happen? No, I do not. And what I do know is that you are important enough to be stood up for whether anyone else does it. 
to be able to also create a boundary around your relationship Mm -hmm. that is separate from your husband's relationship with his family, your relationship with your own family, when you get married and you form your own nuclear family, making that adjustment from the boundaries that were around your initial um, family of origin to your own family that you are creating now is so essential. And this this is a really good transition point to be able to have that conversation in your marriage where you say, listen, this is it's important for us to have a boundary around our relationship uh, separate from your family. And so what does that look like? Maybe that's something we can do together, right? How do we stand up for our marriage together Um you know, when your family is making these comments because it's really hurtful for me. Not only is it hurtful for me, but it's hurtful for our relationship. Mm. And here, and here's the aftermath then, right? When you don't and we come home, I turn away from you. I don't want to be intimate with you. I feel very cold towards you. I feel resentful towards you, right? What's the aftermath of what happens, right? Because when you just say like, oh, it doesn't make me feel good, like it impacts you on a deeper level are you communicating that part with your partner and if you communicate how not only is it affecting you but it's affecting your relationship yeah there's more skin in the game exactly right this shit because then it actually affects them Oof. okay how to tackle the fear that you're not lovable romantically okay this this is a deep this is a deep one this is a deep one First, I want you to think about where did that start for you, right? Like where where is that coming up for you? What parts of yourself do you feel like are unlovable and where did that come from? Um, is it just starting in adulthood or is that something that you have felt throughout your entire life? Mm-hmm. Chances are that it has started from a very early age, right? Is there significant relationships in your life where you didn't feel loved or you didn't get the love that you needed as a child to able to to be able to feel really good about yourself. Um, and I think there's like this other part. If you were a kid who maybe develops earlier or was in a larger body mm-hmm. or um, didn't fit into like this mainstream, like what we like idea like look at as like sexual and romantic or like idealized vision, I think it can make you feel like, oh, everyone loves me as a friend, but I'm not good romantically sexually. Mm-hmm. And also to question, I think with, like, if if we're talking about, like, dating these days, where dating is really challenging, app-based dating, too, with how gamey it is. And we also tend to look at the times in which we have felt unloved, and we file those away. And we say, you know, because those are the things that I remember, that must mean, that confirms for me that I'm not lovable. Confirmation bias. Confirmation bias. And we tend to discard the things or the times in which we did feel loved romantically or we felt sexual or we felt connected to someone. And so because the, t- the confirmation bias piece, it's a really painful experience. And sometimes those painful experiences stick with us way more than those positive experiences because we're discarding those positive mm-hmm. ones. Yep. Somebody that oh, well, that's interesting because somebody else had written in. You stole well, my, you stole my Q&A paper. Is that why I'm the only one asking the questions? Just wanted you to, you could have them. I just wanted you to know. Uh... 
That's why it's just me. I was just staring at you. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's funny because somebody had said, will you ever venture into dating advice? Yeah. What advice do you guys want? <laughs> Let us know. Yeah. Write in anything. We'll literally we answer venture, anything. We venture into that a We'll bit. answer literally anything. Um, we have no boundaries. Um, somebody else, just because it's a quick one. Do you think antidepressants kill you, libido? It's not that we think. There's literally research. Right. That's like just, I don't know, evidence, data. It like can drastically affect your libido. But also, if this is a woman that's writing it in, often women in estrogen have responsive desire. And so what that means is also that arousal precedes desire. So also, am I welcoming arousal in? But what some people can say is that often antidepressants can hurt it from actually having a climax or having an orgasm. And so you can have that. If you're finding that this is a big thing, I would talk to your doctor about switching that up. Now, if you love your meds so much and they are the one thing that keeps you solid in this earth and you're like, fuck it, I'd rather have this than desire. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, not an opinion, just a fact that it can. Because <laughs> depression also kills desire. <laughs> very good point right like <laughs> depression is also going to kill your desires so well, it's funny because like i often have heard one of the big things that people will say when you like talk to them about going on meds and this is like goes back to the stigma of medication is well it's going to make me gain weight okay sure maybe but one what's so wrong with gaining weight and like if you're telling me something can literally make you from not have or having like suicidal ideation and depressed mood but you are 10 five to 10 pounds heavier that seems like a solid trade-off i completely agree like i'm taking that weight thousand percent there is nothing wrong with having that you know what i mean like that there's such a fear and we did a whole episode on medication if you want to go back and check that out but there's a huge fear around i think there's a big fear too around like oh once i go on i'm never going to be able to get off which is not true it's not true but also what's the fear of that okay what if you you never get off I'm right, never getting off Zoloft. I'm mean, right. literally tattooed it to my body. Yeah. It's something. <laughs> it's it's something that's keeping you alive. It's keeping you sane. It's keeping you functioning, right? If you had, I don't know, high blood pressure, you would take a blood pressure medication. Yeah. Anything else. Anything else you would not stigmatize in the same way that antidepressants are stigmatized. Yep. And it's the exact same thing as if you were to take medication for something physical. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, do you want me to read one? I guess so. Now that you have your paper back. How how to meet new friends when most people my age have kids and I don't yet. You should answer that one. Okay. Go to playgrounds and meet. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have kids. I was like, what? You misread that. Go to playgrounds and sneak creep around (laughs) and introduce yourself to them. I think that's just how you get on a registry. I know. I was just kidding. Um, I think there's a lot of ways to do this. So you can also get on like Bumble BFF, mm-hmm. which is a really good option. Especially if you've like just moved cities. Move cities. You can join different groups. It, you know, we always talk about when when you're in school, it's so much easier to meet people because you're in such a smaller group. Yeah. Right? And so if you're in a job that's pretty isolating, for example, if you're a therapist and you work on your own, <laughs> it is very hard to meet work friends. Yeah. And so if you don't have that, how do you join? It's a pandemic and you always work from home. It's a pandemic, right? (laughs) You haven't seen people in three years. Um, But how do you join smaller groups, things that you're interested in? How do you look for those groups? Um, I think another thing too, and this is something we talked about in our Being Alone episode, 
are there times where you can get comfortable going out alone and maybe meeting people when you're out? How do you put yourself out there to meet a stranger? Yeah. And listen, it's work. It is yeah. work. You know, it is sort of like dating, right? Dating is a lot of work. Yeah. You're dating friends. And and so give yourself the time and, and the space to be able to put yourself out there. And sometimes you might feel like you have the space to do so. And sometimes you might not. But it also sounds like this person um, is thinking that the only way to meet these friends is if they have kids, right? Because oh, that, yeah. But because that creates a smaller group, right? If you take Millie to school then you're going to meet her. <laughs> you're going to meet her. <laughs> Fred's parents. No? Does that happen? Have you have a lot of, you have a lot of mom friends in that? <laughs> You've anyway. met me, right? <laughs> there was one time. No, can you it? tell the soccer story? <laughs> I was going to tell the Mother's Day story. Okay, yeah. What? Dude, weren't they putting on like a Mother's oh, Day Oh, fuck me. That was horrible. <laughs> Emily, <laughs> you should probably tell it because I don't even know the full story, but okay. she was texting me during it. So it's like, there was like um. A Mother's Day event in my kid's school, right? And it's like, and I have one, one of my good friends, her son goes to school with Millie. He's in a different class, right? So I'm like texting Ashley. I'm like, you gonna come? She's like, no. I'm like, fuck me. <laughs> but like, I don't know. They're like performing this little thing and I didn't want her to like be there with like, I don't know, whatever. I like went into this whole thing. First of all, long story short, I should have gone. Um, <laughs> she would not have noticed. Wouldn't have mattered. Could have just picked her up and jacked off. Um, <laughs> she fucking got out of there. Okay. So we're like sitting at this thing. You know, everyone, it's also the pandemic, right? So, like, we're, people are wearing masks. Everyone's sitting far away from each other. You're, like, in these things. It's awkward as hell. <laughs> and then they, like, pass out these little cups. And I'm like, oh, shit, they're bringing us all champagne. It was apple cider. Of course. Because, you know, it's a children's <laughs> Because champagne. it's a Oh, great, they're bringing us shots. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just, like, and I, like, I'm, like, sending Jen tags. Like, I got to get out of here, it man. So like, it's funny. making me so anxious. Like, I just, like, don't do well with stuff like that. Like, yeah. I just have always struggled to... I don't know, which is funny because like I have a ton of friends. Like I feel like the way I'm saying uh, this makes it sound like I no, you don't make have relationships. Very easily. Yes, but like I have not in motherhood. Like I have not made so, friends with other moms. That's a really good example of there's an assumption that if you had kids and they were in the same class that you would immediately make friends not and that's me. not necessarily the case. And so <laughs> I think sometimes it's easier if you say, okay, what am I interested in, yes. right? Yeah, like, yeah, having kids kind of connects people from all different walks of life, Yeah, right? But um, what are the things that interest you? Can you find smaller groups where you can find other people who that also are also interested in the same things and you can connect over those values? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also think, okay, there's also a part of, like, vulnerability and putting yourself out there of, like, if you move to a place, you can even, like, put up on your fucking Instagram story, like, I am legit looking for friends in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. If you have a friend, a cousin, an Aunt Sherry who lives in Philadelphia, I'm, like, trying to, like, meet some people. Right? Anyone. So, like, and so you might have to, like, hang, you might have to have, like, a few friend dates with with. With some duds. I think there's there's also, unfortunately, like a stigma around being somewhere and not having friends. And yeah. I'm going to make a PSA that there's nothing wrong with you. It is hard to make friends. It's, in adulthood. In adulthood. Yes. It is very, very challenging. You know, you know, like in the movie, I Love You, Man, when he's like going on all yes. these dates. Yes. And then at the end, at the wedding, he has all of the different guys. Yeah. As his like groom is man. Like, I think that's the best. A hundred percent. And also sometimes. They all have, everyone has value. 
And sometimes when you make friendships in adulthood, you're creating them from a place where like you're a fully formed human. Maybe you've done the work on yourself and you can make really intimate connections that are very different. Yeah. And and so give yourself some grace in that is that it's not there doesn't mean something's wrong with you and it's you know, I think oftentimes people feel embarrassed to reach out or put themselves out there. But everyone needs friendships, everyone needs connections. That's completely okay. Okay. How to communicate with someone who thinks they're never wrong. <laughs> you might not be. <laughs> communicating takes two people. You're not communicating. Or more than one person, right? Like, the reality is, is, like, communicating, we said this before, like, relationships are about relating. There's multiple people involved here, right? Communicating when the other person does not want to communicate or refuses to communicate, like, you're going to keep hitting a block. So I think you could say what I would say is I would try like a bit of a paradoxical effect of like it must be really nice to never be wrong. (laughs) I wish I was as sure as you in everything I believed. That's so good. That's what I would say. I think that's really good. Because I agree with I that is true. It must be so nice <laughs> to never be wrong. Right? That's what I would say to that person, right? Has there been a subject that you were wrong about before? What's it like to always be right? God damn it, that must feel good. <laughs> I think too we so we so quickly get defensive when that's the case, right? When someone is um, saying that they're never wrong or approaching a subject by saying, "Oh, I know the, I know the perfect answer to this." where we want to just like fight and be like, no, I have a different answer. Or like, can I, can we try to get to some, I think our goal is to get to some sort of like agreement on it or have them see our side. But if you recognize that someone has no interest in seeing your side, just as Emily's saying, it's not communication. Yeah. You're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. But I think you don't, that doesn't mean you have to sit back and say nothing. I think you could also say something to the effect of like, Okay, listen, I I hear that that's what you believe and I just want to see if you can give me the space to be able to express myself even if you think it's wrong. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so you're Can you just hear me? Can you just can hear there be what space I'm saying? For me to be heard. Right? Like I, and that's that might be part of this is that you just want to be heard and you want the other person to hear you and to be able to acknowledge that they very much believe that they're right, but to also be able to say, like, it's actually really important, even though you believe that your side is right and and you believe you're right, that it's important for you to hear me out. You're talking about the ways in which you're communicating, which is called metacommunication, which we love talking about. Communicating about communicating, baby. I love it. It's like meta thinking. Yeah. Thinking about your own thoughts. Yes. Very meta. <laughs> meta. Okay. <laughs> this is a really good one. I'm ready. Tips for coping with depression in the cold winter days when leaving the house is awful. Yo, it's been cold as shit in Pennsylvania. I feel this deep in my bones. Also, wait, we're recording this today on January 30th. This month has gone on for centuries, I think. (laughs) It's never ending. What the fuck? It is so cold and so dark and so difficult. And let me just say, I have not left my house. I mean, I left my house today. Yeah. But I have not left my house since friday well you walk the dog that's about it and i go to the grocery store yeah i have to eat but other than that i don't see people right so okay so then here's the first piece of advice you have to find some way to leave your house and get a small bit of vitamin d that can be a walk around the block that be good go in to your the grocery car, store and out to some lincoln park i don't care i don't know lincoln what you do park, interesting yes i was gonna say dolly parton but that felt funnier i love lincoln park <laughs> 
of course you do. <laughs> um, so like there has to be something, right? Okay, so one is vitamin D. Also, how am I feeding my body? It's very easy to get stuck in a routine during this time. How do I make a little bit of intention and joy out of that? Am I getting joyful movement? And we do need to move our bodies. I know it can be hard. I know we are tired. It does not mean you need to run a marathon or do a 60-minute Peloton ride. Just move. Just move, move your around. body in some way. Even if that is doing stretches, jumping jacks, walking around in circles, wiggling your booty, it doesn't matter. Like, you have to do something to take care of yourself, right? So let's go with first, like, on a biological level. Am I getting sun? Am I getting water? Am I getting food? Am I getting movement? Okay, now am I getting connections and relationships? Have I gotten some laughter? Have I gotten some joy? I would start with, like, on a very simple, like, once you can check those off the list, then you could say, okay, now what else do I need to do? I also have to remind you that spring comes back. It does, just like everything Winter else. Winter feels like the longest It does. Season. Like, will this ever, ever end? This, you know, doesn't sound as therapeutic as the things that you are saying, but I think it's really <laughs> important to say, get yourself a warm coat. <laughs> I basically wear a sleeping bag outside. She really does. It's a sleeping bag, top to bottom. <laughs> But if you are someone who hates the cold as much as I do. And I sent you a heated blanket. And you sent me a heated blanket and a heating uh, foot thing because I am so goddamn cold cold in my old house. But I hate being cold. So if you're one of those people who hates being cold and you're like, I'm not leaving my house. You get yourself the warmest coat because you have to be able to go outside even if it's for five minutes. Because otherwise, it will suck the life out of you. You do have to find some way. I know it's cold. I know it's horrible around, right? Like, like there has to be something. It doesn't mean you have to stay out there for a long period of time. No. Are you being intentional? And so maybe that means every single day you have a checklist. Did I drink? Did I eat? Did I move? Did I walk outside? And once you can check all those out, you can say, okay, I did it for today. Now I have to just survive till tomorrow. I think also being very intentional and recognizing... If you're doing a certain activity, what's the point in which you hit where you're like, okay, this is no longer serving me anymore? Yeah. Right? For example, if you're on your phone, you're scrolling, right? That's an easy way that we try to um, cope with being inside where you're like, okay, this is helpful. I'm kind of, you know, feel connected to people or distracting myself. Is there a point that you hit where you're like, whoa, this is making me anxious now or it's making me more depressed? Or if you're watching TV, right? Have you been watching it for a long time? You're hitting the point where it's no longer serving you. What else can you do? Throw some different activities into your regimen, whether it's reading a book. Emily has gotten really into reading books. I've read three books this month already. Unbelievable. January's been long, but I've been reading through it. She's really been reading. For but pleasure, only for which pleasure. is wild. I, I said to myself, for 2022, I am done reading. We read so much shit for work. I said I'm only reading for pleasure. If you're a therapist listening to this, you... Please read for pleasure. Read for pleasure. I have not been able to do it either. No, it's I so good. I just read... Like, I think if you started with the seven husbands of, of Evelyn Hugo, I think you'd be able to do it. It's like you need one to trap you And I you know in. that you relate to this. I'm like, I feel like if I'm reading, I should be reading. Oh. I know. It's really that's bad. It's a should, if man. That's it's a should. A should. If you're a therapist, read for pleasure. you have to it read really, for pleasure. It is so, honestly, I know I'm so lame to say this. And I'm someone who loves television, by the way. Like half my personality is based on television. And I'm telling you, reading for pleasure is so 
good. But we, but especially like, I think so many people are like, oh, I don't like reading. I'm like, dude, you don't like reading academic shit because that's what we all were made to do for so long. We were told what we had to read. Reading for joy and pleasure is the most amazing thing to lose yourself. It in. really is. Okay, Iva, dear Emma Jen, to end up to end this Q and A, our hundred episode, episode. one hundred. Here it is, Ready. dear Emma Jen. What should I do? What should you do if you think you may be a narcissist? My dad is one, and I'm realizing similarities in me. You know what I'm gonna say. You go first. I have, I have a thought too. If you're asking, you're not. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> if you're exactly. writing this in, you're not a narcissist. But there can be narcissistic traits, especially by proxy. If I grew up in a house that these were behaviors were modeled, I might have to be very intentional about like what we'd say is like a, um, is opposite action, which is like a big thing that we talk about like in terms of like OCD, we have to do like opposite action, right? Opposite action is doing not what your first thought is, but purposely doing something different and so if this was behavior that was really modeled for you growing up about how needs were met about how you know what I mean you took advantage of people any of these different things I want you to take a look and say not who is my dad who am I and who do I want to be what are the values I think work and how am I implementing them into my life I love that that's exactly what I was going to say if you're asking you know it's not yeah because if you were a narcissist you would not care and you're definitely not writing that in. You're also one, you're not listening to this show. And an, as a narcissist. <laughs> there are no narcissists you're not, who are listening to this show. You're not listening to this show because, and you're not writing into this show. Because you would have no interest in helping yourself because you would think or you were doing great. listening to two females. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that. It's so true. You and you would, you would think I have nothing to change. Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. And you, you would think that we're annoying for talking about this kind of stuff. Right. So and guess what? Yeah, you're good. You're not a narcissist. But look at some of the traits how am i hurting people one of the things we do need to take responsibility is what did i do to hurt others while i was hurting myself Mm. what are the ways i have taken advantage of other people what are the ways i have committed harm that is our responsibility to do but no doesn't mean it's diagnosable just means you might want to look at some shit so hey 100 episodes 100 episodes Hundred episodes, episodes, loving you, baby girl. Loving you. And loving every single person listening. So if you like today's 100th episode and you listen, don't forget, you're going to DM us your address. We're going to send you something. If you've listened to all 100, if you've stuck with us this long, holy shit. Um, Hey, as always, please rate, review, subscribe. Obviously, just review five stars because if you hate it, then you don't don't have to do that. This isn't for you. Step away. Yeah, this is for someone else. If if someone was a narcissist, they're going to be like... (laughs) please rate review subscribe follow an apple podcast you could also rate on spotify send this episode to a friend if you liked it subscribe to us on youtube follow us on instagram a hundred motherfucking episodes we did it and as always we love you and to grow yourself you gotta know yourself we'll see you next week